today's fast-paced world, it is easy to brand yourself by either your nine-to-five job or side hustle. The reality is that careers are often a both-and. Women can pursue leadership opportunities in business and entrepreneurship at the same time. This seminar will provide tips for professional women to climb the ladder from startup to C-suite while also creating a leadership pipeline for their women to succeed. And so for our speaker, thriving in both politics and business, Lauren is deemed a political savant, innovator, and entrepreneur, a Michigan State University graduate with a BA in social relations and policy. Lauren has set herself up to flourish in leadership and advocacy. Currently, Lauren is the Michigan political director for America Votes, utilizing strategic planning for coalition partners to impact progressive electoral and policy work. We are so grateful that she is here with us this afternoon. So can we please give a round of applause for our guest speaker, Lauren. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, thank you so much for the lovely introduction. So I want to just start off right now with a disclaimer. This is not a presentation. Um, this is a conversation. So let's just start off that way, first and foremost. Um, I like to have dialogue with individuals, and if this is, especially if this is a networking environment, it's imperative that we get to know one another. So if at all possible, if everyone could make sure you're moving forward um, as close to the front as possible, because there'll definitely be some opportunities to interact with one another. So um, I definitely have deemed myself political savant and an entrepreneurial opportunity maker. The reason being is that I chose to wear two hats in my career, and I will tell you why. Um, so I graduated from Michigan State University, go green. I love that, oh, it feels so good to be home. So, so I, um, when I graduated, it was 2011, um, coming off the recession, pretty, pretty rough period to be quite frank, um, because there were no jobs. Let's just be realistic. It didn't matter if you had a degree. Um, it didn't matter how successful you were matriculating through your undergraduate experience. There were no jobs. So I knew that I had to do something to brand my career. Um, at the time, I had still planned to go to law school. And so, um, because again, that's especially um, for a lot of students, that's originally what we're kind of told to do is take certain career paths. So I figured James Madison completed that, still going to plan to do intellectual property law, et cetera. So I decided to um, continue with that pursuit. And, you know, with that pursuit, I decided to work at a law firm, do warranty litigation. And interestingly enough, while at that law firm, because I was working for an attorney who also graduated from Michigan State, but um, he was legally blind. So I actually worked for a blind attorney. Um, he got his degree in Braille, um, and I had to look at the cases for him. So it was a very interesting experience. Um, drove him to every court case um, and basically had to, in warranty litigation, I had to inspect vehicles. Um, for the automotive industry for lawsuit cases. So this is where I thought I was on a great trajectory, thought this was what I was going to continue to do. Um, was still at intern level um, after graduating. And it just came to find out it wasn't a fit. Um, the LSAT was still killing me softly. Um, and 
I don't believe in forcing things that aren't meant to be. I believe in being intentional about it. So I knew after that and then some experience doing um, some intellectual property cases for a law firm in Detroit, I was like, this is not the trajectory that I plan to take. It's unrealistic um, for where I see myself growing. So at this point, we're a year later. There's really no set job, <laughs> which means there's no set income coming in. And although we could still move back in with our parents, that was great. Um, you know, need to start my career. So I decided at the time while I was doing um, internship and fellowship work to start an organization called YAB, which stands for Young, Ambitious, and Beautiful. And what happened was it was about 2012. Um, at the time, we didn't really have social media hashtags, like especially for women of color, like Black Girl Magic. Um, there was no Me Too movement or anything uplifting women's voices. And so I noticed that I had a lot of peers that were starting to get into the startup range of things. We also were going into the revitalization era in the city of Detroit. Um, Dan Gilbert was starting to build up around Quicken Loans. And I was like, I'm not really seeing the representation for women, especially women of color, that are kind of owning their side hustles um, and turning the startups into profiting business trajectories. And so that being said, myself and I was sitting in a Lafayette, Coney Island downtown um, which, by the way, I don't go to American, so let's just make that really clear. Um, it's, a, it's a huge thing in Detroit. Um, and so I was sitting in Lafayette, Coney Island, and I was talking to a friend, and I was like, you know what, I really would like to find a way to house a bunch of women-owned startups with a lot of millennial women and highlight their careers, especially for women of color. And so... My friend was like, oh, that sounds great. So I'm like, okay, well, it sounds like encouragement. So I contacted two peers from Michigan State and um, not anyone that I was super close friends with, but we had worked with each other in different organizations. So we were able to see each other's work ethic and just something felt right. And so I contacted um, both Courtney and Brittany, which were the two peers from Michigan State and decided to... Star YAB. We came up with the name on the phone. It was on January 3rd of 2012, um, which is now we're going on eight year anniversary and decided to do that um, because I felt that we needed our own platform. And at the same time, I had to figure out a unique way to brand my career. So now I'm at this point, I'm going into policy and actually starting to go into the realm of my career and working in politics. So then it became figuring out how to bridge the gap between the two. And that's how we came to political savant and entrepreneurial opportunity maker, because both are important. Both I work to bridge gaps for resources for others in untapped fields. And so both play a role in who I am in my career and both have given me a lot of opportunities. And so the reason when I first had this conversation with Jamie, the reason that I wanted this specifically to be the topic is because a lot of times, you know, if we see Oprah, Ursula Burns, um, if we see Ariana Huffington, anyone else with their careers, it's like, okay, they're doing great things. They're in multiple ventures, but we don't see it for ourselves. So we're supporting other people building their careers um, in a multifaceted fashion, but we're not necessarily doing that for ourselves, And so that's why I feel like that's an important conversation 
it's all about finding your why. Um, a lot of th- times when we do things, especially these days, because we're kind of like in a extremely um, multidimensional society where, especially with social media, you can easily define yourself as pretty much anything. <laughs> um, and a lot of times, you know, people have a nice website up, nice headshot on their social media, especially on their Instagram. You know, they're a motivational guru, a speaker, a life coach, um, whatever the tagline is. But it doesn't connect with necessarily what they actually are doing in their lives. And so it's so important to find your why. Like, for instance, with myself, politics and helping women, especially women of color in business, are my passions, period. That's the brand That's what we're going with. And there's ways to build around that because then from there, you can start dialogue and conversations within those two industries that may be untapped or unfulfilled. And so that's why I asked that because a lot of you mentioned connector, relationships, evolving, and these change agent. And these are things that help move conversations forward. So it gives you an opportunity to know you at least are going to be a part of the change that comes. Now, adding your passion with that is actually blending the two so that there's a story to tell behind it. Otherwise, it really doesn't pick up. And we'll go more deep into how that fits into branding your career as well. So I'm a goal setter. Um, I like to that goes, even if it's my to-do list for the week, I skip sometimes, but it helps me to kind of know what the layout is. So I wanted to include that today. Um, Actually, so setting goals and not limits came from an eighth grade teacher I had, and I just always like to use it um, because we don't want any limitations on the conversation today either. So that's why that's up there. Um, But it'll start with finding your why, building a multi-layer brand from there, blending your passion and profession, managing up and mentoring down, and owning your brand, maintaining authenticity for audience engagement. So I just wanted to make sure I included that as well. But as we deep dive, we can always reset goals and people can add in to the conversation as well. Because again, this is a dialogue, not a presentation. So finding your why. So when we think about like a lot of the women that have come before us historically, um, my favorite is always Shirley Chisholm for me because She was no nonsense one, that's definitely my personality. But also um, she went in deep with a mission, um, especially in an industry where she was a minority. And a lot of that has to do with my story. Um, And my career, even though, you know, it's 2019, um, I'm still the only a lot of times, I'm still the first a lot of times and Um, I still tend to take on roles that are not stereotypically tapped into. So um, coming out of continuing with the story of my background and blending it into the conversation, coming out of working as a fellow um, doing policy implementation, I ended up um, talking my way, and that 
I'll tell you that's happened with every aspect of my career. Um, I network to get jobs. I really don't like to interview. So if I can skip that part <laughs> um, and give myself a leg up, that'd be great. Um, so I ended up talking to someone over coffee at a meeting um, while I was still a fellow. And she told me that she was a millennial running for a city council. She was the first millennial to run in that particular city. And I had just taught myself a uh, website um, design. So I had already created myself a personal website. And so I said, well, I'll create one for you. How about I just brand your campaign? So I came up with like social media and web design consultant. Um, it probably was just a title I made up on the spot, but I wanted the opportunity. Um, I didn't know she was the daughter of a state representative that was the minority house floor leader. So that worked out too, because then she introduced me to her mother. So every opportunity from there um, has led from connections, um, which is another word that came up a lot. And um, from there, she actually introduced, she took me to a Michigan Democratic Party picnic and introduced me to a guy, um, a black guy who was also a floor leader, uh, one of the first to ever become floor leader, um, especially from Oakland County. And um, from there, you know, she introduced me to him and he told me he was running for Congress. So then, okay, talked my way into that job and became his assistant finance director. Now, I didn't know anything about fundraising James Madison does not prepare you to work in fundraising um, or intense campaigns. So um, most people, when they start out in politics, they work on the organizing side. So they tend to do, you know, knock doors, volunteer base. I started by collecting $20,000 a day. So a little stressful. Um, there's no training for that. And so... I just knew that I really wanted to build my career. And it also was something that he said to me about wanting a woman of color in the role. So there were currently no millennials um, or really any black women who were doing fundraising and politics. So that started to become something that became synonymous with my career, which again is finding your why. I am someone that sees myself as a building block for other women to come behind me. So. Really, it's about me having the opportunity and being the representation and making sure that other women come to follow. And it's something that as we go on through this conversation this afternoon, um, will come up reoccurring from other experiences because everything was about making sure that someone else had an opportunity after me. So um, I ended up doing fundraising and becoming a finance director um, on a 39th house district campaign after that. And thus began kind of my political career. Um, now, at the time, I still wanted to do things with YAB and branded at the same time. So this is kind of where the two started to intersect because we started getting more press and opportunities. And one thing I'm big on, I'm not going to limit my opportunities just because I work somewhere. So I'm going to let you know in the interview, oh, I also do this so that you know up front. I know that it seems very bold to do that, but if you play it in a way that it seems like an advantage to have that on someone's team, I've never had it hinder my opportunities. And I don't also don't like to keep it a secret. You know, YB is not, you know, my side, you know, people 
use the terminology side piece. Yes, but it's not. I'm not cheating on my career with <laughs> my uh, with YAB. It is a part of that. It's a part of who I am. So that is why I always said it in an interview. And at the time, we were starting to get press in our Detroit. Like it really started to grow. The Business Journal, um, Michigan Chronicle. Black Detroit. And so I knew that I knew where I saw the vision going for that. So I had to make sure I maintained that as well. So one thing that um, I wanted to highlight today, at least for finding your why, um, is understanding that this is a way to leverage your career. So I wouldn't have necessarily opportunities without having a basis for understanding why I'm doing something. And I think that relates to intentionality, as she said. Um, it definitely plays a role in the starting box of why we do what we do. So I'm huge on question and answer while we're going in between. So does anyone want to add anything or have any questions on this topic? All right. So next up is breathing your brand. So a lot of times the way that, so if we're doing an introduction and the first thing you do is say, hello, my name is. Usually if you take, for instance, in the Midwest or in Michigan, You'll say, hi, my name is so-and-so. Oh, where are you from? Like, what city? You know, maybe where you went to school. So on the East Coast, which is where I spend a lot of my time as well for my career, um, especially in D.C., before they even ask your name is what do you do? Like, straight to the point, cutting to the chase. We don't have time to waste <laughs> on these conversations. A lot of people don't like that, but a little bit of me is East Coast, so I do like that. Um, and the reason why is you should be able to tell that story and still be able to introduce yourself as well. So if someone asks me, you know, hey, what do you do? Hi, my name is Lauren and I'm a political director and a political savant and entrepreneurial opportunity maker. Those things all tell you everything. Then you'll further ask questions with intrigue, but it tells you a little bit something about me. Um, I like that a lot. Um, in addition to having your brand on call, so without having to go and just give a business card, you're able to have your brand on call. And on call or on standby means if we're having a conversation and I want to show you something, I can just pull up my personal website or an article or an interview. And then that gives you further insight to follow up with more conversation. <laughs> I got stuck in the chair. I'm coming. Okay. Just want to help you on your 10,000. <laughs> so um, kind of um, responding to what you just said, and it absolutely makes sense if your resume has street cred, but a lot of young people that are either transitioning or don't necessarily have a title um, that first question of what do you do is the total trajectory of what that relationship and interaction will be, short or long. So what are some of the things that you can suggest if you don't have the title that kind of begs the follow-up question and interaction 
what would you recommend for younger people in the room or people that are transitioning in their career to say? Because every conversation, both people are looking for a certain output. There's an agenda. So what would you say for young people or someone that doesn't necessarily have the street cred with uh, the professional status? So that's a great question um, because I didn't always have the street cred. So I, I know like now, you know, you're seeing the results of a lot of years of work. Um, I didn't always have the street cred. And for in, a lot of times before in-person in, uh, introductions, I actually do a lot of blind emails, a lot of blind emails, still do that to this day. Um, so what I used to do is, let's say I met someone. Um, so for instance, I'll use an actual experience. Um, Tech Town had just come to Detroit around like 2014. Um, and they used to have these events called Women 2.0. Like Google would sponsor it. Um, a lot of amazing women would come through. So what I would do is I would go to these events, meet in person. A lot of times when people said, what do you do? Or if they, we started into that conversation, I kind of led with my strengths that I had as a skill set more so than the title. And the reason I did that back then is because the title was just, I mean, I was probably an intern or a fellow and they're not respecting the title as much. So I led with the skill set, you know. Um, it also helped to have YAB as well. I'll be honest, I used YAB probably more so earlier on in my career than I have to now, um, just because I had something to talk about. So a lot of times, and this is why this is a great question with merging the two, because if you have something else going on that is kind of seen as your side hustle, again, I don't like that because it doesn't give as much respect to it as it should. But if you have something going on outside of that, that is something that you can lead with. And I use it a lot and it built a lot of relationships. Can you give an example of what you would have said back then? Like what skills would you, how would you lead with those skills? So one thing I used um, is that a lot of times I would say that I, you know, have strong leadership skills. Um, a lot of times that is what individuals are looking for. Um, I would also lead with the fact that I'm big on relationship building. Um, so I would use things that I know people find as an asset within the organization, company, et cetera. Um, and then I would also blend in, again, YAB and using that. You know, at the time when we first started out, we were building from the ground up and having venture partners as a part of the conglomerate. So I would use the few that we have and highlight that. Um, again, it's not as much <laughs> with the street credibility, but it's something to talk about because they're going to at least say, what is that? And then I'm leading with that. I'm doing something because I'm not just depending on that degree that I got or the internship I'm currently at or whatever job you may be at. So I just kind of I'm really, really glad you asked that question because, again, just kind of going back to the cold calls and emails. So I remember emailing, I emailed individuals from Cranes. And it's funny because things come full circle. 
So all these things I now have features in. <laughs> so it's like, oh, great. This is awesome. But I remember when people were there, you know, when I wasn't getting awards or any features, but I was just telling them who I am. So I used to email to Cranes, Washington Post, and I always got a response. Um, I'm really big on email. People check their email, believe it or not. Um, may not answer the phone, but they check their email. And I think sometimes there's a hesitance because like, why would they want to hear from me? Well, then why not? What's the worst they can do? Not respond. Then you just didn't have a conversation with one another. Um, I will say both for my personal career and for YB, because now we're over, we, I used to keep track and count, but now we're over a hundred publications later. But the reason being is I just used to email and say, this is what we plan to do. We have a story. So it, whether it was my career or that, I this is what I plan to do. I'm working on this. This is my mission. This is what I stand for, my platform, my voice. Those are things that you already have, whether you have a job or not. And the reason I say that is because it's not like we don't get laid off or things are unstable. I've had those experiences, but I had to keep going and still got awards during the time I was laid off. I mean, no one has to know every aspect of what you're going through for you to be able to be successful in whatever you're doing. So I just think that's important to say. I'm definitely willing to be transparent about that. I mean, it was rough times, but I'm willing to be transparent about that because people will see accolades and think that I just never went without a job or never went without an opportunity. Um, but I'm not going to let that circumstance hinder me from getting to the next level. Any more on just on this conversation we're having right now, this dialogue? Okay, that's a good question. We need to get to the breakout sessions. I want you guys to talk more, <laughs> but we'll get there. Um, so I'll leave this one and go from connecting a personal brand to a professional brand. So the reason why I use this quote about what you post online speaks volume about who you are and post with intention and repost with caution. So, um, and Judy, I'm going to use you as an example. I know this is putting you on the spotlight, <laughs> but um, the reason being is that you say you're strategic and strategic. Uh, that's how my mind works as well. I'm extremely calculated probably from birth. Um, so I think about everything. And I think in today's society, for instance, there are a lot of people in my industry, specifically politics, that are always talking, always talking in person, online, always giving their opinion. I'm not giving my opinion unless it's getting published in a publication. I don't understand why else I'm giving it out for free uh, to Facebook. So um, the reason I say that is because I would rather it have a platform behind it. If I'm going to say something, I want it to stand for something or mean something. And it doesn't mean you can't have a life and post on social media. I have a life, um, but I try to be really intentional about it because after a while, when you start getting that street cred, okay, so now people are following you. They may not be liking something or hurting it or giving some type of emotion to it, but they are definitely following because I have people I run into all the time. I had a person I ran into in Target and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm friends with you on Facebook. And I was like, 
it's really a little awkward, but okay. <laughs> um, and basically, you know, we sat and had a conversation in Target. I mean, I was open to having a conversation, but she was like, oh my gosh, love it. Your hair goes, all these things. And it's just like, you never know what someone, I, I had no idea that someone felt that way. I mean, that's great. I wasn't trying to be that, but um, they're paying attention to every content. I've had people I run into, um, and these might be people I know on an associate level. And they'll be like, yeah, wasn't your dad's birthday the other day? You guys are really on it with my life. <laughs> like, I, But it's like, oh, if I gave him a birthday shout out, which now I'm even a little more worried about just because I like to protect my personal relationships. And a lot of people brought up family and being passionate about that. I do like to protect that from something for myself, not necessarily online all the time. But it definitely speaks volumes because it gives things to your brand. And I'm gonna be honest, I don't think I would be standing up here even talking to you if it didn't have a brand associated with I do get professors and people like Jamie who reach out like, oh I've been seeing what's been going on, you know, because otherwise how are you keeping in touch? And so I just think that it's a great way to carry out your brand. Like once you're breathing it internally and you're vocalizing it to other people whether you're just talking about what your skill set is or what you do. Um, the next step to that is building out your brand and carrying it out and wearing it on your sleeve. Um, again, you don't have to be, there's an authentic way to do that. And I want to say that because I'm not someone that just walks around dropping inspirational quotes all the time. <laughs> and, and I know people like this and I'm just a real person. So I'm just, to give it to you straight um especially a lot of people i would say in my generation it's like i call it pump faking that's just my terminology for it but it's like you're a walking billboard and that's not who i am still a person but there's a way to kind of carry out who you are the way you carry yourself um and still be authentic about it where there's a human component to it so i just kind of wanted to throw that out there because I don't want to encourage anyone to be a walking billboard or be fake about who they are. If you know, you're living out a passion of yours, then carry it on through. So um, definitely this is about storytelling and it leads into knowing your audience. So I kind of want to give an example of this. Um, I did an interview last year. Um, it was with Comcast Newsmakers. And the title of the interview um, was Women of Color in Business. And the reason I think that's so important is because I didn't tell them to say that. So a lot of times with press, I don't have to tell them the title. It's almost like they just know from knowing me or having a conversation with me um, that that's something that's important to me. And I think that that's something important to talk about today because when you're intentional you don't even have to sometimes give people a layout of who you are they can feel it and I think that's a great example of also being authentic at the end of the day I'm a woman and I'm a woman of color specifically a black woman so when I walk outside that is technically who I'm putting on for every day and I'm not going to water that down for any publication, any news article, any job opportunity. You're going to get that up front. And that's something that resonates with every opportunity I've had. And it actually gives you more opportunities because you're in an authentic lane of your own. 
So I want to stop there and see if there's any dialogue on that, because we do have diverse representation in here. And I don't know every woman's story in here or your background, but you do have a story to tell. So I, I want to stop here even before going into the breakout session. Does anyone have an example of of how you would go about telling your story? I know that puts people on the spot. It gets a little deep, so please feel free. <laughs> but I was just going to give an example. I was a career consultant at James Madison for six years when Lauren went here. That's how we know each other. Impressed with her then, too. Um, and I had an opportunity to present to students on their professional brand, talking about, don't be putting stuff on Facebook that you're friends with this person, they're friends with the dean, and they see that you fall out of your bed drunk. Like, those are the conversations I was having one-on-one -on -one just to bring the awareness. And so I said, you're going to ask 20 people to name three words that come to mind when they think of you. And so I thought I better do it too, because I'm not going to ask them to do something I didn't do. And the results weren't surprising, but they were really consistent. And so I think sometimes asking people in all the different circles, I volunteer a lot, you know, I have other things that I do and my work and to see those things come up was like, well, you're the same person in every situation. But I think it would be interesting if you're not sure what people think of you, that it's okay to ask what words come to mind. I'm thinking about what my brand is. So that was just a thought that I had. I love it, Jamie. Anyone else? Yeah. Mine was more of a question because I kind of was going through college when all of that stuff was kind of booming and becoming big. And I kind of understood the, I, I approached it with caution. It was an, it was a tool I found that it's definitely necessary. And that, I mean, social media, um, where I found myself, you know, using it as a form of expression, but at the same time trying to balance that line. And then eventually I got to the point where I was teaching and I just didn't want anything like I wanted to separate those two worlds like personal and professional. And now I've kind of just removed myself from a lot of social media, except for like LinkedIn. So I'm, I have like more of a question, like how do you, do you have two separate accounts? Do you have like a more professional account and then a more personal one? Because my family's kind of all over. I would like to be more active on that for them. Um, but I also don't want it to, be public necessarily, but I also understand the importance of having a public. So you still do have a presence. Like you said, you still do have a brand, but not everybody needs to see my family life. So do you have two separate accounts? Do you do two separate social media things? Is So aligning with what Jamie said, I get the same consistent things about me as well. So I do not have two separate accounts. Um, most people are getting the same thing in every facet. Um, I just think there's an art to balancing it. Like for instance, Instagram tends to be more personal. You can show more of your personality. Facebook generally, because there's like family, maybe a few colleagues, although I put all mines on a separate list so they actually can't see my posts, but we're still friends. That's just a new way of like, you know, I'll let you be friends, but no, we still haven't seen posts. Um, and there's reasoning behind that. It has nothing to do with me putting things out harmful. I have had it where, um, be because I like to brand my career outside of just going to work every day, there are a lot of people 
Um, I think this is regardless of industry. They're not going to be happy for you. <laughs> um, if you're getting features, they're like, well, you don't need this job. And in my industry, that definitely happens a lot. So I don't have time for that. So you just won't even see me post it. And then you don't have to worry about that. Um, LinkedIn, I definitely keep it specifically to anything related to professional. But I don't ever want to give up social media because I learn about a lot of opportunities through that. I read a lot of articles where I can support other people. There's events that I see all the time. So I just feel like that would exclude me from getting or retrieving that information. Um, so there's a way to do a lot of people I know in education feel the same way. Um, when I worked with students, I had one for, for work and one yeah. for home for that reason. But it depends on when then I was a therapist. Same thing. I don't want my clients knowing I'm going to wine night. I'm grown. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But maybe if I'm doing substance abuse counseling, it might not come across that way. So it depends on what you do for a career and how much yes. of that's the same. I was going to say I only have one. One Facebook, one Same. Instagram, yeah. one LinkedIn, one everything. But I monitor everything. Like I remember um, I'm employed here now, but I applied for a job at Wayne State. And literally in the midst of me sending my app through because I knew someone who worked in the office, he pulled up my social media on the phone with me, typed my name in and said, oh, yeah, I see you posted about your um, I have motivational devotionals every day. And I reposted that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I saw you posted the devotional. I saw you posted by your mom the other day. I was like, yep, that's all you're going to see. Food, the Lord and family. You're welcome. That's it. Like, <laughs> there's nothing like intentionally. There is nothing else. Like for me, I keep the one and just monitor it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sorry to read yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you to not just have one. I'm going to tell you to have two. Um, because we have different areas of our life. And so there's a part of me that has sport. There's part of me that's in science. There's a part of me that's in politics. There's a part of me that's in education. And those aren't necessarily the same populations. And, but you don't know how your religion may impact your ability to get a position because it may be that the job requires you to be... Um, inclusive. And so there's doors closing you may not hear. And so even though it's a core of who you are, I always say it's like, if this is your personal, stop friending everybody. If you don't know every single friend that you have and you close it up because it's like, you know, oh my goodness, I met you at a party. I'm going to friend you. Okay. Right. I feel it, but I, I will, I mean, I, and I, She's my colleague, she can tell you, I'm very lock and key with a lot, like a lot. Like, so I'm sorry. <laughs> so like, I'm actually not even from the state of Michigan. I'm from New York. So I'm very, very, I have like my former, um, I call her my theater mother, my undergraduate advisor. She was the chair of our fine arts department on there. I have like my former pastors on there. I have my high school teachers on there. I have colleagues on there. So, oh no, like even if I put like, Mm -mm. there's there's literally I make sure I triple check I'm so overly sensitive about other people that even if I post something in my mind I'm checking what is someone going to say about this I don't even respond to certain things because I'm like absolutely not so I feel it I just want to make sure you know like I'm totally not negating it but I'm so conscious about everybody around me that I think that what 
And I'm sure Christy can say too, as a career consultant, and when I was a career consultant, that's a good point. Some people would come in and say, I'm going to wear this cross necklace or whatever it was, right? And if that means I don't get the job, that's not where I need to work. That's strong enough for me. And then other people would say, I don't want to lead with that. That's something internal for my own spirituality and part of who I am, but I don't want that to lead for work. So I'm not going to wear that. I definitely think it's something you should consider though, because doors will open or close. And that could be things you have in your resume for whatever it is. That's kind of what I was going to piggyback on really quickly is I feel like as I've progressed in my career, I figured out who I am as a person and I know that personal brand and I can own that now. Like in my early in my career, I, I couldn't necessarily do that. And I felt like my professional brand was influenced by who I thought I needed to be in those spaces. Um, so I think that's part of growing as a person, as a human, as a woman. Um, and then, so now I feel very comfortable with what my personal brand is. And so I only have one and I work um, for those of you who don't know me, I work in alumni relations. I have a lot of relationships with people outside of campus, on campus, but I intentionally only have one because to me, and this is me personally, right? That's who I am. And, and I blend those two, but they're still the same one of me. I'm not a different, I don't have a different professional brand to appease different groups. I think that's interesting in higher ed as I've made the transition into higher ed, that looks different than it did before I was in higher mm -hmm. ed. Um, so I certainly hear what you're saying. Um, but I think that's part of growing as a, as you figure out your brand and how you want to present yourself. And if you do need to have them be separate, depending on what line of work you might be in, or if you are comfortable with this is who I am as a, as a person and whatever categories you fall into. And my career is going to navigate around that versus vice versa. So I think it's a really personal decision, um, but I do think it's something you learn and it changes and evolves too. And so um, I appreciate you sharing kind of how your journey with your brands have gone because I think constantly ours, well, at least for me, mine has, will continue to evolve. I heard that word a lot too, evolving. I think all of us are kind of evolving in both of these spaces. So. so this is really great dialogue. And I love when people hit on the direction of where. Oh. So I wanted to mention an experience that happened to me um, recently. I have always maintained a very closed Facebook account for friends. Um, and I became um, vice president of a professional organization. And part of that was posting lots of stuff on the professional organization's Facebook page. Um, and suddenly I was being asked to be friended by all sorts of people for my personal one. And so I had to make a decision, <laughs> right? Um, and so my question though is, is now I have, I have infiltrated <laughs> those two. Um, but now I am creating a personal brand that is not authentic. And I have always wanted to be authentic in what I'm posting, but I am now, and this is probably smart anyway, taking photos of my son so that his face is not showing, right? And doing all sorts of things on my Facebook page that I would not have done, but I'm doing it because it's being used for professional purpose now with people who feel that they need to know my personal side. But I don't want that to be completely accessible then because I'm a very private person. And I also recently had someone who contacted me trying to take advantage of my position and had done a lot of research and got went over the line. So 
how do you manage these pieces of personal brand and professional brand? So there's a, I also just got time constraints. So I'm going to move quick. Okay. So uh, there's, there's a couple of things that were hit on that kind of lead to the answer of that. Well, Pamela hit on it. Judy hit on it. And Fifi hit on it. So one thing that plays a role with managing personal and professional so when you sometimes when you do have the street cred and name recognition, you really don't have as much to prove anymore. And I'm just kind of being like honest and transparent about that. Basically, your work carries itself. So for instance, we don't really care what Beyonce posts. We don't care what, you know, well, Cardi B hasn't gotten there, but we don't care what, um, you know, Oprah, because at the end of the day, we actually want them to be more open and show a human side because we've watched their career grow over the years. I would say it does relate to the growth and evolution, both as who you are as a person, but also within your career as well. Certain people who get to certain trajectories, it, it doesn't matter. Like they have the name recognition, so they don't have to prove as much. And that's just kind of being honest about that. Um, but as it relates to managing to or not feeling like you're as authentic, it kind of feels like what your personality is too. Some people are extroverted. Some people are introverted. Those things play a role in how you're going to engage on social media. So I'm an extroverted person. So I wouldn't want to give an introverted person my version of how they should engage or interact on social media because that's not their personality. So if you're more of a private person and you're introvert, you're not even going to want to deal with social media as much anyway. But there's a way to still get a little bit about you. For instance, I there are some people on social media I may see only post like once a year or maybe two or three times a year, but I kind of get something about them. So it's a matter of what you're posting, even if you're at an art museum and it's just a picture of the museums. I can tell, okay, she likes culture. She like, you know, you can pick up on things about people's brand with very limited things that you see as well. So just, I would say kind of take that into consideration as well, because it doesn't have to be, you know, I know now people are like putting heart emojis or a smiley face over family's faces just so they can still post about family. But it could be a living room photo with a fireplace. I get it. Family, you know, and there could be stockings above that. That's about your family. So it just depends on the content and what's being displayed. The caption also could be something relative. It could be a quote about family and just a picture of, you know, garden house, whatever that may be as well. So I think using other avenues or getting creative with how you reach people can still have that same effect without being literal about the content, if that makes any sense. And don't you think what you're saying about social media is the same as resumes, cover letters, mm -hmm. how you are in interviews, how you are at networking events, what you say and do, it's all the same. Deciding what you want to disclose, who you want to be to people, how you want them to receive you. So if you're hearing this in social media and you're thinking, I don't really use social media, it still applies to all those other areas. Yeah. And I mean, I'm also in a very, a much more vocal industry, um, we're encouraged to speak out. Um, so it's a little different because I actually, I literally can write articles about talking about anything I want and <laughs> no one's going to say anything to me. So I'm also, and that, but that's also who I am as a person. So I took a job 
in the industry and I took a role where I can be the more vocal individual and be in the forefront. For some people, I could see where that would be difficult. So I wouldn't want to encourage someone to be, but I'm not trying to get you to lose your jobs here today. Um, I'm not taking that responsibility, but I think there's, again, a way to be authentic and show pieces of who you are. And if you're being intentional about it, people will pick up on it. I don't need it to be literal for me to get something about you um, if I was meant to pick up on that content. I'm going to move on from this. I know I'm limited on time, so but I really wanted us to have dialogue. So. Okay, so um, since you're all at tables, this works out perfectly. Um, so this first breakout session is the branding pipeline, because although we've talked about brands, your brand also, this, this is about women networking and women empowerment and women supporting one another. So your brand should still support uplifting another woman. I'm huge on encouraging that, and I would hope everyone that chose to be here today would be the same. So at your tables, do we have at least two to three minutes maybe? Okay. Um, at, okay. <laughs> so at your tables, just for a few minutes, um, just want to encourage discussing the following. How does my career brand uplift my personal values while providing a platform for others? How does my career brand start local or national dialogue or conversation? And how does my career brand challenge current statistics for women in my industry? So I'll give you guys a few minutes. Kind of wanted to touch on authenticity at this table. I sat here for a minute and we talked about assimilation and um, how that plays a role in higher ed or HR, et cetera. Um, and how that's played a role generation, generally, generationally as well. And um, I use the example of when I first interviewed coming out of college, natural hair had just made a comeback. Um, so no one was really doing it at the time. And I was at a TWA stage, which is teeny weeny Afro. So it was, again, growing out <laughs> to be at Tracy Ellis Ross level now. Um, and, you know, coming from having conversations with my parents who just want you to have a job at this point. Um, it was kind of like, oh, well, oh, are you wearing your natural or are you straightening it out? Not telling me what to do, but kind of just asking that. And I was like, I'm wearing it natural. I don't. And again, it was a difference in generation. It wasn't like I was trying to be rebellious, but when I come into work every day, I'm not going to be straightening it out all the time. So it was a way to be authentic, but also not necessarily give too much of myself away, if that makes any sense, because my hair was not a political stance. It, was, it just grows out of my scalp that way. Um, so I think that's something to kind of use as an example to, to an extent of how you can address certain things without necessarily giving your full stance of where you're coming from on that. And I, another example I want to use on that and how that plays into authenticity. Um, I, as far as education goes, I follow Ron Clark Academy. Oh, five minutes. Okay. Um, I just wanted to use Ron Clark Academy as an example. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard of the Academy in Atlanta um, that a guy runs. And I like it because it is different. 
and it's talking about education, but it actually makes me like want to go to this middle school and be like enroll in the school. And I think he has a way of showing what he stands for without necessarily he's never given any specific political stance, partisanship stance, et cetera. But I still get a feel for what this school stands for, what their motto is, how they're supporting their students. And it just, it, it honestly makes me want to even go work and be an educator there. And I don't even want to go into education, but it's something about the way they pull you in that I feel like connects with an audience. I just wanted to touch on that quickly because I know we only have five minutes, sorry. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to go into this one quickly. I feel like it's straight to the point. Um, and I feel like we kind of touched on, you know, there are many women in here who you work in one specific sector, but you have other things that you clearly care about. And I think that came across when people describe their profession and their passion. And it's okay to have both. Um, I just feel like these days, and this conversation has come up a lot um, in other speaking engagements with different women, that they feel like if you're not an entrepreneur, people are calling you out. If you don't work in corporate, people are calling you out. And I don't understand why there has to be both. In order to even get to go from entrepreneur status to corporate, at some point they had to be a startup, and then they become a Fortune 500 and get into the C-suite. So technically, you both work within the same industries, and it, it coincides with one another. So why are we separating the two entities? And so that is why I brought that up, because a lot of people, um, I think regardless of generation, age bracket, feel that they need to go do something that they have on the side at home, and then carry everything else out or they need to promote the thing they do at home and not necessarily talk about their jobs. And it's unrealistic for a lot of people, especially people who want to go into entrepreneurship because it makes it seem like it's easier than what it is and that people don't have side income coming in. So you just think they have this awesome business without any support or structure behind it. So I'm just, I'm going to wrap that one up because I know we have to wrap up. Um, so I'm going to go into how do you start building your professional reputation and ran. So this was supposed to be another breakout session. I know we do not have time, um, but I kind of want to leave it up here for a take home. Um, and I'll send maybe some slides too for people to take um, and wrap up. Um, but one thing that I wanted to include was Treating yourself as a business. Um, so asking what is your mission, having a board of career advisors, which actually there is um, a feature called Landit. It's a website and you can actually assign a board of career advisors to that as well. Um, and then the first five steps to take you to accomplish that goal and then aligning that with your professional passion. So I just, I'll make sure this gets out to wrap that up. And I kind of wanted to leave us on this note. Um, all of the things we talk about, I choose to live in my life. So if you get a living, breathing example of it, anyone can do the same thing. So this is actually my personal website um, and how I chose to blend the two. 
So I wanted to leave that up as an example um, of that and links to that. And I will wrap it up. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Let's give her a big round of applause. I think we could have all sat here for the rest of the afternoon and uh, listened to Lauren and explore these things. Uh, you do all have on the table an evaluation. It should take you like one minute. But what's more important is there's a second goal sheet that has a goal on it. You can put what you took away from Lauren today. Did she inspire you to find out what your personal brand is, to find a board of directors, to work across differences, to learn more about other people? What did she inspire you to do? What do you want that step to be? And if you put your goal down there, like Nikki mentioned, we'll follow up with you about what you noted as your goal. Did you make that goal or not? And if you don't make your goal, We'll reach out to you with all the expertise we have in the room to help you overcome those roadblocks. So those are the two pieces that you can leave with Nikki on your way out. And again, I just wanted to thank Lauren. It's been amazing to watch your career and I can't wait to see where you go next. Thank you.